So it is the Refreshing Podcast. It's part of Funny February and Merry March. And I'm very pleased to be joined. We've got the accessory here, Paul. You'd be able to see the slight light, which looks like the moon. Uh, I've tried to sort of make it traitor-esque. Um, I would try and put my cloak up, but I can't because I can't put my hoodie up because of my massive headphones. Should I do like a light here as well? How, how does this look? It's scary, but... Um, <laughs> surprisingly nice at the same time um, if you haven't guessed by now on the refreshing pod we are joined by the traitor who was banished in episode eight of series two from the traitors it's paul gorton paul how are you i'm amazing thank you for having me this is superb mate it's such a pleasure to have you on and there are so many things that are going through not only my brain but the team who work on the refreshing pod are like can you ask this what about that what's going on here um just to kind of give us an overview and so much has happened since the final give or take around about four weeks ago how has life been since coming out of that castle in the highlands oh my goodness me so so i didn't know i mean obviously the show is massive but i didn't realize it was as big as what it was and then obviously we surpassed season one i think we doubled kind of the viewing figures so I'm walking around the street now and people are shouting my name. I was walking in London the other day and there's builders going, Traitor! You're a traitor! (laughs) Which I just never thought was going to happen, funnily enough. It's amazing and there's some great opportunities that have come off the back of it. And even, you know, I'm invited to talk to you on this pod, which is just, uh, everything's very surreal, but I'm just rolling with it. (laughs) I was going to say, I suppose it must be not only surreal being a part of what's happened in and around the filming of of Series 2, but we were just talking then before we hit record about you being at the recent TV Quick Awards and saying it's just bizarre that these faces that you know are coming up to you, but almost forgetting that actually they do know your face. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's so bizarre because you feel starstruck with the people that are trying to talk to you. So Jordan North was was another one. I mean, I love Jordan North. I think he's absolutely amazing. And someone came over and said, can I introduce you to someone that's been waiting to talk to you? And took me over to him. And I was like, you know who you are, don't you? Like, I've been on telly for eight hours. <laughs> like, you're like... And then, yeah, Joanna Page and Gavin and Stacey. We were on, like, the red carpet. What a sentence that is. And the next minute I heard, oh, my God, it's Paul from from the Traitors. That's a terrible impression. Edit that out. I was going to um, say, I didn't know she was from Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she shouted me and said that um, she was a big fan of the show and wanted a picture. She asked, can I have a picture with you? Very bizarre. <laughs> it is a little bit strange. There's a slight connection with the Jordan North element because he used to work on a radio station called Rock FM in Preston, which I was on. Oh. And um, he used to listen to me and we had a big reunion. And it's very strange when you're like this amazing bloke from Radio 1 is going, I remember when you did this thing back in the day. And I'm like, oh, yeah. But it is lovely and surreal. And to just be a part of that crew is is oh amazing. Oh, gosh. You're a Rock FM guy. I'm from St. Helens originally. So, yeah, oh. I, I know we were close. Um, we know that Paul is a very big Liverpool fan. I was going to say this to the end, but I'm going to drop it straight in now. Klopp, traitor or faithful, are you gutted that he's going? Do you know what? He's a faithful and I think he, he knew that it was his time. You could kind of see the wear in his face. Like in the last couple of interviews, you can see that maybe at this point that he's done and it's his time and he wants to move on. And I think what a beautiful moment if Klopp goes and Xavi Alonso comes in and just picks up the helm 
brings in some fresh blood, then I think that's a perfect ending for him. These people, they can't stay forever. They've got to go at some point. And I think Pep's probably only got a year left at City. So we're going to see a big resurgence in the Premier League when some of these managers go. And then Arteta will be the old man in some point. It'd be interesting to see what the next year brings. There was an amazing stat doing the rounds that apparently Roy Hodgson is older than the Bernabeu. <laughs> I don't know how true that is, but if it is, then that's uh, there's one old dinosaur still knocking around. Oh, well, Roy, we love Roy. It's funny, actually, that Klopp's coming out of there and Roy's still kicking around, isn't he? But um, We should it's... say at time of recording. <laughs> he might go back to Liverpool, mate. You never know, full circle. <laughs> Let, let's not go too far. Yeah, I'll move on. I'll move on. Well, Paul, just... Saying about the traitors, now you do kind of a regular guest on the Chatterbix podcast and I'm not precious at all. I don't mind promoting anything and everything. So other (laughs) podcasts are fine. But the guys who are on there, they were sort of giving you the nudge to kind of say, do you know what? You might be all right on the traitors. Is was that the final push you needed to go? Sorry, I'll put the application in. Well, I'd heard of the traitors, but I'd never watched it. I didn't even know it was a thing. It was a big thing. I didn't know what it was about. It just so happened that Maddie from season one was on uh, the episode before me. So when I'm chatting to them, uh, David Earl said this great line where he was like, we were joking because I love dragging a story out. And um, <laughs> I don't even know if you've actually been on Deal or No Deal. This could all be one big lie type of thing. And from then they just went, oh my God, you should go on The Traitors. Like, you'd be amazing on there. And my God, that turned into a, it was a snowball. That turned into an avalanche, wasn't it? Because unbelievable. I, I watched it, falling in love with it, applied just out of the blue, nothing's going to happen, but how funny would that be if I applied? Then you got the first audition and then it goes down the route and next minute I'm walking over the train platform. What joke shall I say when I first woke over to people? Okay, <laughs> Let's say, are we all going the same place? Dead cheesy dad joke. There is a whole element and a magic of television here and there's certain things I, I literally can't say because anyone who could be listening now might be in your position who wants to apply for Series 3 and particularly yeah. off the back of a decent Series 1, an excellent Series 2. It's only going to be bigger and bolder when we get to the start of next year. In terms of a strategy, you're a likeable guy, you're very smiley, you've been so polite in the build-up to doing this interview that I know that I could turn around and say, if we were in St. Helens now together, it'd be fancy a pint, let you know, so we catch up looking around and eyeballing everyone straight away, the strategy going, if I get picked here, I might do all right. You know, is it quite hard but easy to be that deceptive? I think so, because 90% of the time, 95% of the time, you're a faithful. It's only when you're in the turret that you actually can go and be a traitor. And then also in like the diary rooms as well, where you can actually reveal kind of your like dastardly ways and all that type of stuff. When I make friends with people, I'm genuinely just making friends with people. I'm being myself. But then I have that naughty kind of deep side where in normal life you're not allowed to let out the cage but in the traitors it's actually you have to encouraged you're encouraged to do you know you've got claudia saying it's a traitor vow will you lie and manipulate and do what it takes and i was like god yeah i've been dying to do something like this so um yeah my strategy going in was to kind of like I don't know, be the popular one, win everyone's trust, win everyone's friendship, get on with everyone. In my opinion, the traitors, especially for the first half of the show, is not about finding the traitors. Do not try and find a traitor. If you're a faithful, be friends with everybody in there because you'll make friends with traitors and then they'll keep you in. And like, if you look at me and Harry, 
we developed bonds with people that we just kept in there and they were never up to being murdered because they turned into our shields. Molly was the greatest one for Harry and she protected him at the end and, you know, and Harry won the game. I had people like Charlotte and Ross and other people that were around the table that were defending me and Harry until he decided not to. Um, <laughs> but um, my strategy going in, I kind of stuck to it. I took it to the absolute extremes as well with the dungeon thing. I'm going to throw myself down there and I'm going to get involved in as many ways as possible because it's a once in a lifetime experience so the idea of sitting back and hiding hopefully i won't get caught it just wasn't in my blood to do it i wanted the most amount of fun as humanly possible because there's certain contestants within the traitors game do you think there are people who go do you know what sod this it is not so much about the money it's about just having that experience in the same way people we used to go in Big Brother and yeah. weren't bothered as we were voted out inside the first week or two or went on to, you know, to be crowned champions nine weeks later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be honest, I think for the majority of the people in there, you kind of forget about the money because especially for the faithfuls, they've got to worry about dying that night. They've got to worry about being banished at the round table. They've got to worry about, am I coming across as a liar? Even though they've, they've not told any lies, you know, they're coming <laughs> off as, a, they're a faithful. For example, Ross, every time I speak to Ross, he didn't care about the money. He wanted the experience. He wanted the vibes from everyone and just get involved in the atmosphere type of thing. I kind of forgot about the money at one point. I think Harry didn't. I think he was like, <laughs> I was going to say, focused. the one person who had eyes on the cash. <laughs> yeah, he did. And you know what? That's even more of testament to him winning because he had his eyes on the prize the entire time. He played the game. He had a strategy and he won. What an amazing story for him. It's very easy to kind of turn around and say, if you had your time again, what, <laughs> yeah. what, what would you do different? But to sort of live that life and not really slip up, would, would you go back and do anything different? Or it's no. just a case of you were quite happy? I'm happy because there's also like, there's a negative hindsight, isn't there? Where if I did things differently, I would have got caught sooner. So people always see hindsight as like, oh, it would have been better if I did something different. It's like, well, actually, it could have also been worse. I would have done absolutely everything the same if Charlotte... Because obviously she told Harry, Paul's been planting seeds about you, talking about you, which didn't happen. And I think if Charlotte didn't say that, that wouldn't have annoyed Harry or worried Harry to say, you know, Paul's going to be going for you. I think I was in the final because for some reason, even though the dungeon was there, no one kind of fully kind of leapt on it until... Harry leapt on it and then that triggered everybody else. But then what happens in the show, as soon as someone has an idea and it looks like they're going to be saved that evening, even if we get rid of a faithful, you kind of rally around that person. Like when I got rid of Miles, I gave the evidence which Diane told me when we were walking, but then everyone else kind of followed suit because I guess deep down, even though you might not know 100%, you are going to survive another night if we put the pressure over that way. I think maybe that's what Jazz's technique was as well, because obviously he had information, but he didn't release it at the table strong enough. And maybe his brain, he thought, well, at some point I'll do it and ended up in the final when it was too late. A couple of tables before that could have been, well, especially with Andrew's final thing over into Harry, that felt like a huge moment that I thought Jazz was going to really leap on that bit. I think Andrew said something like, you've been running the traitors from the start or running us from the start. So when he is a traitor, you would automatically go, oh, well, even if it's 50-50, I'll, well, I'll run the risk because I know, yeah. you know, Molly knows she's faithful. Jazz knows he's faithful. So as that table builds either over a couple of different tables in a row or as that sort of pressure builds within that one particular banishment, that actually, you know, people have got to look surprised, shocked, 
their eyes might give something away. And like you say, if you're thinking he's going to go for an absolute whopper now, and then they just sit there and go, oh, actually, no, I've got this on my board. You're like, uh, you know, you can't help but go, what the hell is this man doing? I know. You know and it changes what he's going to be said to you in that particular moment. Yeah, it, it, and that's exactly right. And what's really interesting as well, and I think they were really good at, uh, when they put this in the show, because it's hard to condense everything down to an hour, right? But they got all the bits right. We're all chatting. We spend a lot of time together. We're all making friends. But the, the really crucial moments were in there. And it showed that, for example, Jazz might be in the room and tell everybody, oh, I think Paul's a faithful. But then at the round table, not call me out and then go for Andrew. And it's things like that that sits in people's brains and... I guess that's probably testament to the things that we were doing in manipulating things and changing the way people think about stuff. So I never thought I was going to get caught by a faithful. Zach probably made me the most worried, actually, because he was really methodical and he was brilliant at calling people yeah. out. Oh, my goodness. The, what he did to Miles and he did it to me, where he just goes, I'm going to go for you tonight because of this, this and this. And it doesn't make sense. And I'm obviously going well, it's in your head and are you thinking of anyone else and blah, blah, blah. But I'm looking at it and I'm going, you're so on to me. At my round table, he was a really strong voice. Harry was obviously a strong voice. And then I think the rest of the guys kind of followed suit. Watching it back was way more stressful than being there. I didn't feel any stress <laughs> when I was in there because I'm just trying to play a character. I'm trying to blank it out and I'm just kind of go with the flow and I'm trying to dictate things. But yeah, watching it back, I'm going, oh my God, I'm going to get caught. I know Harry was thinking that as well. He was like, how am I getting away with this? <laughs> watching it back, Paul, do you kind of, sort of like you're watching it as the third person? Did you forget that you're watching yourself? Yeah, well, because I'm not being myself when I'm watching it. So I am almost <laughs> watching a character as well. I feel like, you know, when Wacken Phoenix watches The Joker or something, not to compare myself to Wacken, but similar. Same hairstyle, same hairstyle. I think so, yeah. Same dance moves. <laughs> But yeah, you know, like you do detach yourself away. And uh, when I come back from the dungeon and Anthony goes, I'm going to address the elephant in the room. Paul, how are you back? And Meg was killed. And it's just like, oh, well, I don't know. But if it is, Johnny, this is really going to hurt. And I was like, this is so going to come back on me. But I think because I was so convincing and it was the biggest deflection, but everyone just went straight into Johnny. But yeah. I knew that day, and so did everybody else in there. It was the maddest day in the castle. Ross had a very similar day, although I wasn't there for it. The whole people on the days that the nights that they go, they normally don't know it. Ross knew it, and Johnny knew. The whole castle just turned. I had yeah. a feeling I was going to be called out by a lot of people. As a traitor, you want to be called out at the table because you can tell everyone I'm a faithful. Wilf did it in season one. I did it in season two. I think a couple of the guys were called out. Ash did it at the first time. So you, you do have an opportunity to pitch why you're a faithful. And I think I did it successfully a few times. Harry didn't really need to do it until right in the end with Jazz. And he did well. He deflected it away and, and, you know, and carried on. So it is a good thing to be called out. It's actually a bad thing to be not called out. There was a bit of it where when I was watching it with Melissa, my wife, I was like, when you were sort of crying and sort of saying, oh, you know, you'd like to go home to your wife and kids. I was like, this man hasn't got a wife. He hasn't got a child. This is annoying me. And I'm, honestly, like the, the battering the TV got with your face on it. I was like, he's annoying me. This is not right. This is, you know, like, and, and, I, and then only obviously when I got the bump about you, I'm like, 
oh shit, no, he's got a wife, he's got a kid, he's got yeah, a they exist. Like, And then I'm like going, this is really bad. Like, how am I going to sort of drop this into conversation to say I don't believe this, you know? But you get so caught up in it. And it's that, again, oh. it's that moment of being caught up, isn't it? Yeah, and, and do you know what? I love like every second of all the feedback that I've got from it. So the amount of people that have bumped into me and said, oh my God, we hated you in the game. Like, can I have a picture with you? You were so dastardly and blah, blah, blah. Everyone <laughs> talks about my partner and kids. I was dying to wind people up on Twitter and put they don't exist. I was going to say something like, you know, wanted one wife, one child for the rest of my stories. Um, but, I, you know, like I was genuinely upset. Like you are missing people at home. You know, you are spending a lot of time away from people. You're in this different reality. So like, yeah, you miss people. And I got upset over it. But then when I'm upset at the round table, I was thinking, if I really crumble here, people will go, oh my God, he's a traitor. Or do I try and use it and go, well, I'm just stressed. I've been in the dungeon all day. I am missing home. And my whole rhetoric was, I'm going to be killed tonight. So I convinced myself that I was going to be killed. So then I'm going, well, I am going to see my family at least. And I really miss them. So that's why I'm emotional. There's a million stories going through your head and you pitch it to everybody and people buy it. And then the next day, you know, I, I got no votes that night. And the next night I got no votes. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've got away with this. Yeah. Then we did the poison chalice and then we're going on and on and on so forth. So it is the, all genuine, the, I promise. Trust me. Caveat. <laughs> yeah. mm, yes, anyway, m- moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is the thing that you've talked about so many contestants and so many fellow faces around those round tables. I imagine the Traitor Series 2 WhatsApp group is particularly strong, but it does seem like loads of you got on. It does also seem like there will be friendships there for life with certain people, probably more so than others, but you're going to get that in sort of most places of of work, I guess. Yeah, of course. Do you think that helped not only you, but actually the entirety of the series by being around some brilliant people with brilliant stories, be it Andrew or Johnny or, you know, someone like Charlotte, Molly, and the connection even between, say, Harry and Johnny with the army backgrounds and what have you? Do you sort of go hats off to, um, not only for someone commissioning that, but once you've done that, you've got to get a set of people who you know are going to gel together, but equally fight together as well. Yeah, and and it's testament to the casting guys because everyone in the, I mean, I'm the only one that didn't have a story. Everyone else has got these amazing, beautiful stories and I'm like, um, I'm just a dad with a kid and a and a job. <laughs> like not allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> I've just got this fake family and a fake job. <laughs> Although my lung collapsed before going on the show, but I didn't do it, you know, like purposely to give myself a story. No, no, the uh, <laughs> I promise you. Is that it true? Did. Yeah, it did. Six weeks before going in the show in a football match, I've gone up for a header. Guys clattered into the side of me, collapsed my lung, uh, bruised ribs, all the stuff. I had to drive myself to A and E. Collapsed outside. Morphine, CT scans, all this type of stuff. Um, And I called them a couple of days later and I was like, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to surprise you anybody, you know, like I have got this injury. I was like, I will be there though. The doctor said it's two to four weeks and they were doing loads of medical checkups and all that type of stuff to make sure that I was absolutely perfect for going in there type of thing. Yeah. And yeah, I had full sign off uh, weeks before going in and then that was it. But I didn't tell anybody when I was in there because I felt like I was. I don't know. You get picked to be a traitor almost straight away. So I was like, I don't want to seem like I'm using this to gain favour with people. It was yeah. my birthday on the day that we went in there and I didn't tell anyone. I told a, I told a couple of people, but for some reason I was like, 
do you think a lot of people will fact check it and go, actually, how old are you? You said your birthday was this day. And if you just, if you get slightly confused, you're like, oh, hang on a minute. No, when is my birthday? Do you know what? It was because I didn't say it straight away because I didn't want to walk in the room and go, oh, it's my birthday, everyone. I know, like, it looks like I like attention because I do. But then I'm also really <laughs> conscious of just coming across as like, oh, look at me, blah, blah, blah. So for some reason, I didn't say it. Because I didn't say it on the day, it looks even more weird to be like, oh, on Monday, it was my birthday. And they'd be like, oh, well, you hid that well. Well, what else can you hide? But anyway, back to the back to the question. The 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 casting, the guys, the team. There, like, we are literally a big family. That there's no beefs, there's no arguments in the group. I was probably maybe Harry as well. The most nervous about joining the group. The traitors are always going to get a little bit more stick because we are the ones that impacted the people that were in there. And even though it is a game, when you're outside of the game, you can then feel bad for the things that you did and blah blah blah. So, yeah, when I got added, I was a bit kind of like, ooh, I think the, my first words were like, hi, sorry, everyone. But, you know, everyone's been really supportive of me and really helpful. And, and same with Harry as well. Miles got away with it. Everyone just loved him anyway. People have forgot that he was even a traitor because he's just a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. But I suppose almost that's probably too dangerous in itself to be forgot, you know, and, and sort of go unnoticed or, like you say, kind of just stumble around in the background. Eventually, someone's going to make you fall over, aren't they? The issue is, and I guess this is a great thing for the season three people, if you're a faithful and you're in the game, so, you know, you know you're a faithful and you're being kept in the game, there's a reason why you're there. And it's not always going to be positive. So if you're a faithful, you're kept in the game, that's probably because you're going to be betrayed in the final. And if you're a faithful and you're killed first, it's because you're the biggest threat. So the biggest compliment in a weird way that we could pay to people was killing them. So <laughs> Di- Diane, way too strong. Aubrey, Aubrey on in the first seconds, I know who, I think he did say, I know who the traitors are. I've got a feeling that I'm a strategist. I can read people. I can do this. I can do that. And we were like, well, you have to die first then because you're too strong. This guy, he barely got his trilby off before it was time to put it back on and he was heaved out the door. And and same with Sonia as well. And and luckily we managed to steer the group to say Sonia could be an amazing traitor. And it's kind of obvious that she'd be picked because she's so smart and she's so strong. And then the group banished her. So like from the first day, we got rid of, probably the two people that came across as the strongest of the faithfuls maybe the more weaker faithfuls are the ones that you have to keep in the game so there's a a, the whole strategy at play but do you know what i think 22 of us could go in that castle again next week and there probably would be a different result well, I was just going to say in terms of, and there's genuinely no sort of, this is just me thinking, you know, along the lines of like a Love Island All-Stars, if there was a Traitors All-Stars. There has to be. Of Faithfuls and Traitors. If you could pick just a handful from the WhatsApp group you're connected with now from Series 2 and obviously Series 1, if you could just pick just a handful of names who you're guaranteed to go back into the Highlands Castle with, who wow. who would you choose? Or is that a really difficult question? No, the, the people that pop into the head, I'd love to be in there with Amanda, Wilf, Harry and me. I'd love Maddie in there. Let's get Jazz in there because Maddie and Jazz had very similar games. They were on to traitors. They were saying this is a traitor and they just weren't believed. So it'd be fantastic to get them in there. Let's get Ivan in there from season one because, you know, he had decent things to say and was a strategist and it'd be interesting to see him again. I think it'd be good to have a mixture of them. However, I think the best possible show off the back of the traitors with all the success 
is to get all of the traitors from the UK ones, the American ones and the Australian ones, and we have 22 people sat around that round table that were all traitors. So Sam, from, Sam from the current one, me, Harry, Wilf, Amanda, the American celebrity ones, let's get all of them around the round table and let's pick three <laughs> traitors and the rest of you are faithfuls. Double traitoring. <laughs> oh my God, that would be a bloodbath. It'd be like the Red Wedding out of Game of Thrones in episode one because no one trusts anyone. So where do we even build from there? I imagine that Highlands Castle has seen a beheading or two in its time, but I imagine that 300 years after the last one, it might come back. Do you know what? It would just be, the more I think about it, the more it's blowing my mind of like, let's say me and Wilf and Amanda are all sat together and we're all faithfuls and we're all going, are you a faithful though? Like, can I trust you? And have Amanda look at me and go, yeah, I can't, you can trust me. Would Diane coming back from the dead? <laughs> D- Diane, let's bring Diane as a traitor, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. Well, her funeral again was, I mean... The best TV I've ever seen and how you guys, you could tell there was titters trying to come out, but then the solemn faces, oh. you know, took over. But I imagine that must have been fairly difficult to get through for many reasons from the, the farcical and the funny both together. Yeah, and I think Claudia, she described the final, I can't remember what word she said. She said something like, I'm sure she said extraordinary or like, you know, like that she was witnessing, you know, what was going on in front of her eyes. And that's exactly how I felt about the the funeral. I was watching it and I was just going, this is just <laughs> something else that we're part of. And by the way, as well, for everyone watched the show, you're welcome because the traitors gave you that episode. We could have poisoned Molly or Charlotte, one of the other guys that's in there. But no, Diane is the one that had to have fizzy rosé. So she needs to give us a cut back if she's doing any of these rosé deals because we created... And do you know what? It's so beautiful as well because she's such an amazing person that she got an hour for her exit, whereas everyone else, they just kind of didn't come back. That for me was one of the best days in the show. And it's lovely that I was part of the but Ross's type of thing. It's mad how things pan out. Zach said... Paul and Diane might be mother and son. I did say to Diane, before I even knew that from Zach, that she reminds me of my mum. Because that's like, you know, like that type of thing. The fact that that happened again is baffling. (laughs) To have someone like that, to have Ross seeing his mum's funeral, you just think, this is just... You know, it borderlines on being like, is this okay? Or are we actually now just in such a place that the entirety of the UK are just not bothered about what's going to happen next? Yeah, and, and you know what? I, again, I think that's testament to the guys that decided we're going to do a poison chalice and a live funeral with horses and choirs and all that type of stuff. What was really solid was all of us were in the game. So, like, there wasn't too many people that... I don't think anybody crossed the line. I think even Ross and Diane, they must have felt bizarre at the time. But I think they also, I think Ross, that gave him some fire. And then obviously he was picked to be a traitor. And then Harry did the, you know, we had to get rid of her. Oh, it was like such a big moment. Ross just kind of fucked it up really, didn't it? It was like, come on, you've had a bit of time. And the Uh, amount of, there was a load of in-betweeners kind of memes doing around going, (laughs) what a waste of time. And you're like, okay, we've all waited for something. And it's over in in an hour. And it didn't go the way anyone thought it would he was set up wasn't he to be that he should have gone the next day and just gone harry 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 it's definitely (laughs) you know all good but at the end of the day he went for andrew 
And then Andrew did the elusive comment and then Ross is gone. Just in terms of Harry as, as being a winner, I know you two get on. There's a brilliant photo of you when you're literally jumping on his back, almost <laughs> kind of trying to leapfrog him. Um, you know, I take it, you know, you still get on, you still keep in contact. And d- did you think he was a worthy winner? Oh my God, yeah. So, so me and Harry, we, we chat uh, almost daily and have done since coming out. He's a lovely lad. Uh, but you know what? He's an incredible mate. There's a funny story where... Uh, you know, I said to him, we're like brothers, me and you, you know, that type of thing. And he said, we're more like uncle and nephew because I'm 14 years older than him, <laughs> which kind of, which hurts me. Like a compliment in disguise, oh, that, isn't I it really? Oh, yeah. Were you, were you still saying we're related? But, you know, there's just a bigger age gap. So I say, yeah, you're like my granddad. I'd love to do more projects with him because I think we have a good chemistry and we were dastardly. I mean, we were trending at one point. That's how much we were shaking up the country. <laughs> <laughs> like some kind of election. Yeah, yeah we were, yeah. 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 Go into politics, Paul, you guys will fit right in. <laughs> and it kind of bids the question, Paul, what is next? You know, what is, um, of course, you know, using this to kind of look at something else, but does it give you kind of the the confidence and now the connections to maybe try your hand at something else, be it standing up on stage, trying your hand at be it presenting or doing a bit of stand-up? What way do you reckon this is going to go further down the line? Yeah, I think presenting I'd absolutely love, you know, whether it's, you know, on telly, you know, the, all the morning shows that I've done so far, I've fallen in love with i think they're absolutely incredible i'd love to maybe make like a documentary you know loads of things go through my head but there is an exposure now you know i've got an agent i mean i didn't think that'd be a sentence i'd ever say in my life but there's an eight <laughs> there's a guy going out looking for work for me so who knows what could come next i'd love to go on strictly i can move i've got the dance moves in the locker so i'll go on strictly for a bit um, <laughs> who would you partner with and i guess you've got a connection with claudia so she can get you right in I, well i want claudia for the next time round to be a dancer and me and Claudia will be partner and partner. I want to be partnered with whoever the shortest dancer is, just because it makes me look even taller and even more... <laughs> even more horrible in the nicest way. Well, I kind of look like an evil Mr. Tickle. <laughs> <laughs> very long arms. Yeah, very yeah. Long arms. All very limmy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, this might be something, if it's not strictly, this could be something. Have you heard of um, Destination X? Have you heard of this? Destination X? No, I don't think so. Go on. Let me fill you in. So the BBC is hoping its latest reality TV venture could prove even bigger than the traitors. After the success of the game a couple of weeks ago, they are hoping a Belgian adventure show, which is called Destination X, can hit the right notes. The BBC teams up with NBC. This is £20 million, apparently, to try and get. Fiction meets reality. The programme basically, which comes from one of the original executive producers of The Traitors, follows 10 contestants being driven around Europe on a bus with blacked out windows. Each episode, the contestant who plots the cross furthest on a map away from the actual location gets booted off the show. So that could be something you might want to apply oh for. Oh my it, God, that's so It sounds fun. like Coach Trip on Steroids, Destination X. That apparently is going to be the next big thing and hopefully you heard it here first so you've got to measure distance kind of in your brain and then say this is where i think we are but you could be on a coach for nine hours or something so I imagine you'd probably say you started in Paris for the sake of argument. Yeah. You could end up in Belgium. You could end up in Switzerland. I think there's various kind of... Oh, almost with You could be going anywhere. Someone gets booted off in and around that. There will be those kind of traitor-esque games to, I assume, add cash into the prize pot. I don't know more details, but I've seen it and I thought, I just know the person I'm going to mention that oh to. Oh, <laughs> my God. Right, Johnny, I'm in. I'll team up with you. We'll do the application together if you want. Uh, honestly... 
<laughs> this is literally what happened about a year ago. And look how that worked out. I am taking the thing from the Chatterbix podcast to sort of drop it in and go, remember, remember this. It's just, I'm just going to ask for a bit of commission, though, Paul. We'll yeah, talk about that it. off, mate. Um, and also, now, just bear with, because you'll see here on the camera, what does this oh, remind no. you of? Okay, so what I'm holding up, that reaction of Paul, it's not me holding up a lovely signed photo of Diane, uh, but it's equally as good. I've got some deal or no deal envelopes. So you'll see you've got oh. number six there, Paul, and uh, you've also got number one. Now, just to kind of end the interview, I thought it might be quite good. Pick a number then, Paul, one or six, and there's, there's some little questions in here. One thing I think you should definitely do is come to the Edinburgh Fringe. If you were to put on some kind of show you would love it if you're getting stopped in around by builders at the minute if you come up to the fringe the whole world will be on top of you um, it's amazing i do a thing at the edinburgh fringe which is edinburgh's quickest pub quiz so i do my own fringe show right so i kind of thought to myself i will do a very quick version of that with you and we'll take it where you have to basically pick what questions you want from your appearance on deal or no deal oh back in God, the day amazing so, number one or number six, Paul, what do you want to go for? And I'll open it. Uh, I'm going to go for number six. Number six. Okay, bear with, bear with. This is fantastic. <laughs> there we go. I'll give you a couple of seconds, maybe 10 seconds to have a think and answer. Okay, so you've got three questions. Yep. Are you ready for this? In the quickest pub quiz. 10 uh, seconds. Per question. Yeah, so you have 10 seconds to think about it. You probably won't need it, but let's see how many you get out of three. Molly, the 2024 runner-up in the Traitors Series 2. What is her surname? Oh, my God. Molly, um... Oh, Five seconds. God, I keep saying... I keep thinking Clark, that's Harry's. Oh, I, d- mm. I don't know. Go on. It's Molly... Pierce. Oh, I was reading the article about her today as well. (laughs) Question two. Jurgen Klopp had LFC finish on what position in his first season in charge? This takes you back to the 2015-2016 season. It is multiple choice. Did Klopp get you guys to finish for the team you support? Eighth or sixth in the Premier League? Ten seconds. So sixth was what's in my head, so I'm going to go sixth. It's eighth. (laughs) No! Oh my God, worst Liverpool fan ever. Is that where we were? Eighth. Bloody hell, he's he's turned us round, hasn't he? He has turned it around. Absolutely. Yeah, question three. So you need to really get this one right just to save face. If not, you will be banished straight away from this interview. Um, How old, and there's no guess on this, but how old is the excellent presenter and fair play to someone like Claudia Winkleman because she really come into her own. She's a brilliant presenter. But how old is Claudia Winkleman? (laughs) Ten, 10 seconds. Uh, Claudia is uh, 52. It's correct. Yes! <laughs> oh my God, that was genuinely a guess. Genuinely was, because the answer, there's no way Paul's seen that. Arguably the hardest question out of three. You got it right. <laughs> I should have said 30s though, shouldn't I? Yeah, she does look. It's the fringe what keeps her young. Yeah, yeah, you don't look your age, Claudia. Maybe oh. I've just read somewhere that you are 52. Well, mate, it's been such a pleasure chatting. I wish you all the very best. For anything to do with Paul, check out his Instagram. It's at Paul Gorton. So there we go. Uh, Paul Gorton on Instagram. Yeah. Um, the Chatterbix podcast as well. It's at Chatabix. So C-H-A-T-A-B-I-X. Chatterbix, where Paul makes a couple of appearances from previous uh, stuff before yeah. Series 2 The Traitors and obviously since. And it will be all over the case if you want to see where and what he's up to. Off mic, I imagine there's all kinds I can ask you, but hopefully you've enjoyed 
enjoyed what I'm allowed to ask you on mic. <laughs> yeah, call me in a sec. I'll give you all the gossip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, stay on. Yeah. If just everyone else can leave, that'd be great, guys. Everyone else can leave. Perfect. I wish you all the best with what happens post-Traitors. If anyone hasn't watched it and stumbled across this interview, please go Watch back it. on iPlayer. Yeah because you will not be disappointed, including Series 1 as well. It's amazing. Yeah. And get applying for Destination X. That's what you need to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely going to go and do that now. I'll let you break it to your wife and kids that maybe don't or do exist to say, by the way, I might be on a bus <laughs> going around Europe for another couple of weeks. So I'll let you drop that into it. <laughs> oh, I basically can't wait to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Oh, I've loved it. Thank you so much, buddy. Really appreciate it. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. <laughs>